Morning Bridges family. So we're in the book of Philippians, and if you'd open your Bible, if you have a Bible, um, if you don't, there's some provided for you, the book of Philippians. I think it's on 980 or thereabouts, and the one's provided for you. Or open up your phone. I found myself in a small group the other day where there was like 10 people, and I was the only one with a throwback, like, real page Bible, and everyone else had their phone out, and I was like, oh, I'm really old. So um, if you're younger, that's great, or you're young at heart, and you got a phone, you're opening your Bible that way, that's all cool, that's great. We're in the book of Philippians, and we're going to focus our attention this morning on just a couple verses that are really remarkable, have really, I think, incredible things to say to you this morning, to me this morning, about our joy. And that's the big picture theme that we've been discovering. So in the midst of intensely hard conditions with no end in sight to his imprisonment, and really the thought had to be in his mind, I probably will never make it out of this. I'll probably lose my life here in this prison. Paul wrote these incredibly hopeful and joy-filled words, and the Spirit of God used him to create such an infectious message for us that all these years later it stands in such stark contrast to other messages in our world. And it, it just pours out, oozes out joy. And it's such a strong reminder to me and to us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you're a follower of Jesus, the joy of the Lord, in the midst of all the things you might find yourself in the middle of, family concerns, work concerns, challenges around you, stresses, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're intended to live with this steady sense of joy and the reasons behind our joy, to be thoughtful about why we're actually joy-filled people. And we can't lose sight of the things that are so easy to lose sight of, like who we are, our identity. And the first week when this series, we spoke about that, um, how easy it is to lose sight of the calling of God for us to be servants and saints. And the joy of that, of who God has created us to be and our identity in him, our new identity in him. And, and it's so easy to get sucked into the world's perspective of what achievement should look like for us. And yet God is doing this good work in us, in each one of us, to achieve things in us of eternal worth. He has a good plan in us that's far greater than the the bars that other people set, the measurements that other people set that are false. And the third week we were discovering how um, suffering can overwhelm us. And we can struggle in the midst of our suffering and forget about his presence and who he is with us, and his purpose with us and through us, and how he works out all of our suffering for his good, and he's always with us through it in the middle of it. And then last week, Pastor Nate greatly spoke about our partnership, how joy should be one of the byproducts of our partnership and ministry. So when we serve, whether it's in Awana or this summer in Mexico or VBS, whatever it might be, you find yourself serving. There's great joy to be had, and we're serving with one another. And we see God work in the lives of each other, and it moves forward. We remark about how great God is and take joy in that. And this morning, we're talking about 
how we can often lose sight of the future, what God has in store for us, the end game of God, as it were, and who we are in him and in that big picture of our future. And that's why we've been encouraging to dive in the book of Philippians, often this this series. And if you haven't yet, it's not too late. You can still read the book of Philippians. It won't take you that long, This even today, because it oozes with joy and it points you to why you should live a life that's filled with joy in your life. Paul writes in a much better way than our culture's message to us, what it looks like to live a life of purpose and joy. And as we've noted in this series, he writes from this place of unquestioned integrity. He wasn't just masking his pain in the middle of that prison. He was actually writing about real emotions and things that God was doing in him and with him because and through even the difficulty of where he found himself. And his intent when Paul shares and wrote this book to the Philippian church, and when the Spirit of God used these words to keep speaking throughout the ages of the church and to us even right now in this moment, is that your soul would know deep, abiding joy throughout this week. And, and it would be good with you and God. And not just good, but it would kind of ooze out of your pores this joy of the Lord that's your strength. And this morning, we're going to put our focus on one aspect of the theme of joy found in the book of Philippians in chapter 3. So if you turn to Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, we're going to put our attention on those two verses this morning. I'm going to read it, and just I want you to soak it in, and then we're all going to read it together. We're going to stand up and read out the truth of God's word to us this morning, okay? So here it is first, and then I'll have you stand. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Now would you stand, and we're going to read it together. This is the word of God to us this morning. I hope that's a really strong encouragement to you. Let's read it together. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. You may be seated. I thought that I would have heard at least one, oh, that's so great, or amen, if you're like really a spiritual person. Like just... To rejoice in that great truth, I was speaking with um, one of our senior adults earlier this morning, actually before the first service, and I was tempted to pull out this verse, but I knew I was going to be preaching on it later, and, and afterwards we were laughing because she had this list of things that were going on in her physical life. She's, like some of us know, like the wheels start falling off, right? And one thing leads to another, and all these things, and we're thinking, and this verse Gives us great hope, doesn't it? That we have this hope within us. Not only, I mean, these two powerful truths that Paul's teaching out here. First, that our citizenship is in heaven. We belong to a different place. Our home is a different place. But also, God will transform our lowly bods into his glorious body. We have great hope in these two things. 
having undergone all kinds of these physical and emotional and social abuses at the hands of those who opposed him. Paul is remarkable in that his eyes are on helping other people understand how to live with real godly joy in their lives. And as part of that message, he points homeward. This word from God reminds us where we all belong and where we're headed and what will happen to us one day. And it's good. It's overwhelmingly good. But before we dive into the text a lot deeper, I have a question I want you to process to think about. It's this. When you think of a future life with the Lord, what your citizenship in heaven will be like when you're actually there, what emotions come to mind? What emotions come to mind? And we provide a little spot in the notes. You can actually jot a few of those down. And perhaps you're younger and you haven't thought a whole lot about what heaven will be like one day. And so you can just say, you know what? I haven't really even considered that, Lord. I I need you to teach me. And perhaps you've thought about it a lot. What... When I say you're a citizen of heaven, what emotions come to mind? Just take a moment. This is a thoughtful point of the message. And jot jot some of that down, okay? Just immediately what comes to mind. There's pencils provided in front of you, or you can jot it on your phone. You can just make a couple notations. You know, in, in different seasons of my life, I've known different emotions, a whole variety of different emotions. Um, I felt confusion at times when I lose sight of heaven, of what God has for me in the midst of the, the rush of just doing stuff in life and I lose sight of heaven. I am confused at times when I lose a view of heaven. Sometimes I felt hopefulness, like that, wow, God has in store for me something amazing. And knowing God, who always exceeds my expectations. And even though I've got this imagination that works, and when I think about heaven, I'm thinking about these great things, I know that God far exceeds, his creativity far exceeds my imagination, that what's in store for me is overwhelmingly remarkable. Sometimes it just brings hopefulness and joy to me when I consider heaven. I've experienced apathy about heaven. When I'm just in the middle of the crush of doing all the next things I've got to get done on my list and other people's expectations and my own brokenness and I just, sometimes I just, I don't care as much as I should. Other times I'm really passionate. I'm spiritually passionate about it and, and what it means for me and what it means for my witness. Like I want other people to go there and share what God has in store for me. And knowing that I am a citizen of heaven with irrevocable citizenship, by the way, and I'm headed that direction, and God is doing this good work in me right now, moving me that direction, it brings really a passion to me. But sometimes I have a hard time living with a steady appreciation in the present of what God is going to do for me in the future. And I found that the swing of those emotions It's not just a product of the ups and downs of my circumstances, but I'm not fully appreciating the truth of God and his astoundingly joy-filled plan for me, who God is and his plan for me presently and into my future. 
And my great hope for you and for me too, as we think about these words in Philippians, is that we would fully enter the joy that God has for us because that joy of the Lord, it's our strength. It's our strength this week. Is your understanding for God's future for us a little bit cloudy? If it is, um, I want to remind you of these words from Scripture, and perhaps they're very familiar and loved words, but maybe you're not quite sure of it. So let me read from you God's end game for us. It's found in Revelation 21, just a few verses, 1 through 7. Again, you can turn there in your Bible if you'd like to. We've got it on the screen. I want you to think about the power of these words, the promise of God for us. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people And God himself will be with them as their God. He will no longer be distant or feel distant. We will have the full knowledge of God face to face and be fully known. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Have you just read any of the news this week and been overcome with all the evil and the pain and the hurt and the suffering in our world? This word, man, one day, this is what God is bringing to pass. And he who was seated on the throne, God himself said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It's done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. It's good, right? This is just overwhelmingly, incomprehensibly good news. It's hard to get my eye and my my imagination around this. That this is what God has for us, and this is where my citizenship is. My home is where I belong and where I'm headed. And when Paul speaks of our citizenship being in heaven, he does it with a sure sense of knowing that's our real home and our real future. And that reality should stay at the forefront of our hearts and our minds because it brings us joy every morning. But according to the Bible... It's not just what happens in their future. It's that our future should take root in our present. This promise, it speaks of this brand new beginning for us. Isn't that good news for those of us who have wheels falling off with our physical body, right? A depth of relationship with God that we only have hints of now. An absence from all the effects of sin, my own sin and the sin of the world, and a free eternal life that should change us and the way that we think about things. This is where we belong, and this is where we're headed. This is a joy without end, eternal. This is ours. And yet, though we may be citizens of heaven with this incredible future in store for us, right now, we live in Fremont. 
or in Milpitas, or in Newark. We live here. And God has us here for a purpose. It's not by mistake. His timing is perfect. He's got us here for reasons. This is where we belong. And Paul stresses the future and the present because our citizenship is not just about some glorious day in the future. It's about right now, where he has us right now. And that's why C.S. Lewis would write, Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Lewis isn't challenging you to set these lofty goals for yourself, but to set your goals in such a way that your life reflects heaven's priorities. Our citizenship should be affecting how we live right now and our aim. And the Bible encourages us to think of it this way. We have our home in heaven, and right now we're his representative here where we live. Paul uses a different metaphor in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where he talks about us being ambassadors from Christ. And I love that imagery because it helps us understand how significant our present is, that we are his ambassadors. And when circumstances turn crazy or hard or life becomes overwhelming or painful, and when we've lost our way, this reminder is essential And Paul's communicating really powerful truth, I believe, here. That we must never forget that we are citizens of heaven. And our confidence, joy, and conduct must match our citizenship. Our confidence, our joy, and our conduct should match our citizenship. We are to live truly as ambassadors, as representatives of our homeland, heaven. Now, How does that work itself out in followers of Jesus? And we've got to back up a little bit in the letter to get some more perspective. And Paul begins, actually, his letter with this confidence-building word. That's a word of the future and now, a way of looking at life. First, Philippians 1, 6 says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He is presently at work in you and every follower of Jesus. And he's got this plan to work it out perfectly to the day in the day of Christ. That's where he's headed with this. The transformation Paul speaks of in chapter 3, that the Lord will transform our lowly bodies into his glorious body, is coming. And in fact, it's in process right now. You can look in the mirror and probably not see it. You look in the mirror and you say, wow, um, okay, that's not an improvement from 10 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever it might be. And you look at pictures like of now and, you know, way in the, way in the past and you say, ah, it doesn't look like things are getting better. But actually, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's doing this work on your soul. And the really great news is actually it's going to be fully completed one day at the day of Christ where you will have a new body, a glorious body, Scripture teaches us, and it's all good. It'll be great. That's a cause for joy for our lives. This transformation that he's about. Paul speaks of it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where he says this in verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. This is a great word for some of us who have been discouraged or living with depression because of all the other things we're feeling or experiencing. Maybe we've lost sight of heaven 
and lost sight of where God is taking us and what he's presently doing in us. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, remember Paul's list in the series we talked about in 2 Corinthians where he just lists all those things in chapter 6 and chapter 11, things that happen to him. It doesn't seem light to me, all the things that he went through, but he, that's how he refers to it. Our light affliction is but for a moment, it's transitory, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It's doing something in us that's powerful and meaningful and lasting. And while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen around me right now are temporary, but the things which are not seen, my citizenship in heaven, that's eternal. And it's really easy to lose sight of that, isn't it? To get my eyes on the things of the here and now and not understand that I'm a citizen of heaven. And that should make me joyful right now. And there's more cause for joy. At different points in this sermon series, we've emphasized this great word where Scripture says that he who began a good work in you, what? will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Hopefully you're aware of a little of the undergirding theology of that great statement, but let me just weave it out a bit. Our all-powerful God is doing a good work in you right now. Think about that. Paul bases the promise of chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 on this concluding phrase. By the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The sovereign God, the master of all, keys at work in you. Whether you feel helpless about it or whether you feel discouraged about it, he's at work in you right now, the all-powerful God. What our sovereign God starts, he finishes. He always brings to completion. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He will not give up on us, even when we give up on ourselves. Or other people give up on us. He will not. Remember these great precious words from Romans chapter 8. Starting verse 38. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, that's good stuff, isn't it? When our God works on anything or anyone, the finished product is perfect. And our God's word to us is that he promises to bring this good work inside of us to completion on the day of Christ. Hebrews 10.14 says, For by a single offering, that is, Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Now, there's an interesting phrase there, isn't it? He's brought to completion, finality, us, and yet we're in process of being made holy. That's what Hebrews teaches. Charles Spurgeon, one of the great teachers of the Bible in the 1800s, has commented on this good work, I think, in a helpful way. He says this, But while the work of Christ for us is perfect, that what Christ accomplished on the cross is perfect, and it were presumption to think of adding to it, 
The work of the Holy Spirit in us, that's a sanctifying work, making us holy, is not complete. It is continually carried on from day to day and will need to be continued throughout the whole of our lives. Right? Spurgeon was right in saying that the work of Christ on the cross is absolutely complete. That's what Hebrews 10 teaches us. And it brought salvation and forgiveness and new citizenship to us. That work is done. We have it already. It's past completed work, but it also has ongoing action in us this day, right now. And while our position before Jesus is based on his completed work, right now God is work at work by his Holy Spirit on us in our salvation as it's working itself out. And that's what Paul is alluding to in Philippians 1, 9 through 10, that says, And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. For that day, you are experiencing this work of God, this moment in you. Our motives and actions, our desires and activities, they will be holy one day. They're not fully holy today, but he is at work in us doing this. And we live one day, we will live each moment clean, without regret or shame, with confidence and joy, and God is moving you that direction even as you sit there this morning, as you think about his word this morning. God is drawing you to that point where your love for God and others deepens and expands according to this word. And you're growing in godly wisdom as you give your mind and heart over to what's excellent. This is his irresistible work for everyone who has placed their faith in him. This is what God is doing right now. And most of us who have placed our faith in him just wish he'd finish up and get it done right now. And we look around us and we feel like, God, why don't you finish your work in them too? That would be great. I wouldn't suffer the lack of that. We grow frustrated when we feel like we're taking backward steps in our walk with Christ. Or when people that we're investing to aren't growing fast enough for our desires. And we can't wait for the completion for that one day, the day of Christ that he speaks of. And that anticipation, actually, uh, holy homesickness is good. But it's incomplete. And to bring clarity, I think it might be helpful for us to think about what Paul is saying with that distinctive phrase that he uses, the day of Christ. Paul uses that phrase interchangeably with the day of the Lord Jesus or that day. And he uses that phrase throughout his letters to the churches. 1 Corinthians 1.8 and 3.13 and 5.5. 2 Corinthians 1.14. Here in Philippians, multiple times, 1.6 and 1.10 and 2.16. And in his last letter, 2 Timothy 118 and 48. And by it he means the day where Christ comes for his church and makes all things complete. And we are made complete. And it's a day of great celebration and joy. One day soon. Right? This is what Christians live in anticipation for. It's a good day. On that day, the work of the Holy Spirit making us holy and preparing us to meet the Lord face to face, it'll be done and complete, finished, and we will experience the joy of being at home with him eternally. And Christians rightfully look forward to that day. Yet part of Paul's message here is that there is joy to be experienced right now, today, in this moment. 
Yes, one day it'll be inconceivably wonderful, fantastic. But this day we're to live with a present sense of the joy of the Lord. And if Paul could experience that in his situation, when his circumstances seem the bleakest, we certainly can enter into that joy. Our future can remind us of his holy work and infuse us with joy. So I've got some work for you to do. I'd like, um, I'd like you either to jot it down on your phone, to text a message, or to write it down if you're more of a writer like that, or get it on your computer, on Word, and write a letter out to the Lord. Just expressing your thankfulness for what He has in store for you. And perhaps that's going to make you think, actually, a lot more. Don't just say it out to the Lord and blow it off, but actually write it down so you go through the spiritual discipline of it to thank the Lord for what he has in store for you. I think it'll reorient you and help you think about all the good things God is doing, what he has in in store for all of us. Now, Paul also says that there's another place where we can find joy just in our citizenship and what he's going to do to our body one day to bring a completion. But there's great joy to be had in what God is doing in the lives of our fellow citizens. Pastor Nate spoke about this when he was talking about our partnership, but there's a bigger picture that, that God is bringing this work into completion in the people around us. And that should bring joy to us. Paul teaches us in Philippians chapter 1, verses 24 through 26. He says, but... To remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He'd spoken about a desire to be with the Lord. And now he's saying, but to remain actually is more important right now. It's more necessary. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. God has a plan for me in this prison, and it's about your joy. But I also, as you see in Paul's letters, take great joy And what's happening in their lives. Paul took joy in the lives of other believers and what God was doing in their life. So that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you. Again, you should take joy in me. It's a mutual thing that we take joy in one another and what God is doing. The remarkable work to bring into completion. To prepare us for that day, the day of the Lord. If you're a parent... Um, or grandparents, or great-grandparent, perhaps. You know the joy of that, those little windows where you see God's hand in the life of your kids or grandkids, right? There, there's very few things that, that bring great joy like that. And recently, um, my oldest son was, uh, he had a day off, and his friend was with him, and they could have done anything. They kind of got on the beach. They could have done, gotten a lot of kinds of trouble. <laughs> they could be creative that way. And, um, but instead, they actually wanted to invest their day. And so they came down here, and uh, we went over to the food bank and did some work, and then they helped out with another project, and they hung around church. Odd that a teenage kid would do that. <laughs> and uh, people were remarking about that. And I thought, for me as a parent, I thought, oh, this is so good. He would have never done that a few years ago. But he's, he's growing up. He's maturing, and he's taking forward steps. And when we see those things happen in the life of our kids, right, it's fantastic. Now, we all know this, right? My kid's going to blow it. He's going to do stupid things. I do stupid things still. Things I wish would have been different and had different priorities. But I saw that window. And it wasn't really about what he was doing. It was about the work of God. 
And we take great delight in that with each other, not only with our kids or grandkids or whatever, but with each other. When we see that happening in the life of another person in the body of the fellowship here, we ought to take delight in that. In fact, that's one of the joys of our life. We should take joy in that. And when we're taking joy in that, it can rub off on them as well. So here's one last homework assignment, a point of application. It's this, that when you see the work of God happening in the life of someone around you, shoot them a text or put something on their Facebook or just give them a message to say, I saw it. I saw the hand of God in you. It was really cool. It was encouraging to me. Just let, let people know. Right? And that can be such a great, powerful way to not just produce joy in you, but also joy in them. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have, we have such a good God, don't we? Such a good God. And he intends for us to live with a steady awareness of the joy that he gives freely to us and the reasons behind our joy. And Philippians is this compelling letter for us to understand who we are, how God has created us, and to take joy in that, in our identity in him. And it helps us understand that we can take joy in what God is achieving in and through us and with us to that day of Christ that one day he'll bring to full completion. He is a God who's headed that direction. And we can take great joy in the midst even of suffering because we know that God is present with us and he's working with us. And we can take great joy in the partnership we have with the brothers and sisters in Christ. And finally, we can take fantastic joy in this, that we're citizens of heaven. That God is doing this great work and one day we'll be completely transformed. And that should flood joy into our souls. You and I, we were made to live with this reality that God is doing this great work and he has this great future and we're his and we have this eternal home and we are made to live with that joy within us. Would you stand once more and read out these words from God to us from Philippians chapter 3 just as a reminder and read it with some enthusiasm, would you? Here we are. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Let me pray. Father, I pray that each of us would be able to deeply appreciate this great truth that we are citizens of heaven, although we certainly, I certainly, do not deserve it. And you are doing a great and powerful work in us, even in the midst of our weakness and sinfulness and brokenness, to bring perfection and completion in us by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the strength of the one who holds all things in his hands. And I pray, Lord, that you would infuse us with a joy that's infectious so other people would know and be able to experience it fully. And we would rejoice in you. And that would be our strength. In God's name, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, all God's people said,
Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.